internet. Shahir, I think your wang is guiding us home. It's magic. You know it is. And this is the only podcast about movies. My name is Matthew Kroll. And I'm Shahir Dowd, and the creepiest of creepy wangs. Well, I, wow. I mean, I didn't need to go that deep. This is a movie <laughs> podcast. The only one, in fact. It's not the only podcast, fun fact, about Shahir's wang. Oh, really? There's, other, there's, there's four of them. Four podcasts. And about- he's only on one of them, which is the strangest thing. <laughs> My wife uh, runs one of them. It's not a very happy podcast. Right. And the other two, there's some dark places on the internet. But we're not talking about your four Wang podcast today, Shahir. What Wait, film I- are we doing? <laughs> we are doing a film I'm super excited about. Swiss Army Man. That is right. Uh, the only podcast about Swiss Army Man. But we, you know, it might very well be. When I went to see it in the theater, I don't know if this is your experience. I had literally an almost empty theater. Uh, it was, yeah, it was a small theater, so maybe like maybe fifteen people. Uh, I, I went to I went to a large theater, and I I could I think I would count less than ten. Ooh. But. But spoiler for my review, don't let that discourage you. I think everyone who's listening to this should go see this movie in a theater if possible. Yeah, it does have that sort of quality to it, doesn't it? It's yeah. just sort of like it's it's bigger than all of its parts in a weird way. Yeah, much Wangs lar- included. <laughs> Larger Zing! than life. Um, <laughs> but for people that haven't tuned into one of the uh, these little shindigs that we do, Shahir, how, how, do, how do we do this about a film? Well, if you haven't listened yet, we are two filmmaker, producers, people involved in television and filmmaking uh, based here in New York City, then we like to get together once in a while to talk a little bit about these uh, movies that we uh, go see. We do a one-hour discussion about a single film, um, and uh, more recently, we've actually been taking listener requests, so keep those listener requests yes, coming. Yes, please we, do. Those have been fun. Yeah, we've got a lot of those coming up, so uh, we're going to try and get through those as well. You can email us at onlymoviepodcast.gmail.com or hit us up at onlymoviepod on Twitter or check out our Facebook page where you can see Matt and I fighting uh, vociferously. Uh, Whoa! About, uh, I'm not even sure if that's the appropriate usage. No, of go with it. You bought. If you didn't say nothing, I'd be like, "Wow, that boy talks good." He's multisyllabic. That's another multisyllabic word. Wow. Uh, very meta. Uh, which is what I do. I'm all about the meta, and uh, Matt's all about the uh, the matter of fact stuff. I mean, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. was that pretty good? Uh, it was yeah, all right. It yeah. was all right. I was going to say my one correction is unless we're talking about Hearthstone or Overwatch, in which case I'm all about the meta. Oh, yeah. Video games, you're all meta. But film, I'll give you meta. I'll give you the meta of filmmaking uh, for now. If you if you, uh, if you you have listened in, our two personalities tend to clash a little bit occasionally. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we talk about wangs. When we argue about uh, feminism and the witch or uh, the abstraction ending of the lobster as a uh, recently um oh but you know what real quick before we dive into this movie i have a public service announcement that i feel you won't we i think we're on the same page about this uh we don't normally talk about other films when we're doing the only podcast about something but this is for a public safety and health uh do not see independence day resurgence oh wow i i I, don't see it i i know you'd seen it i was really tempted today to uh to just watch the trailer and come in and see if i could bullshit my way no no don't there's a four and a half minute trailer uh for independence day online and i i got bored during the middle of that yeah uh, it, it is it is the very definition of loveless filmmaking. The only joy I got from it was when my friends looked over at me and started laughing at the faces I was involuntarily making <laughs> at the film. It is awful. It is everything wrong with big budget cinema. Do not go see that film. But it's it's from the you know, and it's weird that I'm I'm not going to defend that film because I haven't even seen it, right? And I have no desire to see it. But it's from the guy who started it all. I who know. Started the big explode like blow up cities kind of movie. Look, we're all going to get out of touch someday. Yeah. It's all going to happen to us all. You know what's funny about uh, Roland Emmerich is he said, I think, in an interview recently that he thought the Marvel movies were really silly and he didn't want any part of them. Wow. (laughs) I thought you would love that. Wow. Okay. Made an enemy for life that doesn't know I exist, but that's fine. You have a new nemesis. Uh, But uh, yeah, that's just for your safety, dear listeners. But let's get back to Swiss Army, man. Now, I was super excited by this movie because I've been a fan of the Daniels for about, I don't know, the last six or seven years. Now, I, if, if, if anyone's checked out my website, I'm a, uh, I, I make music videos. And one of the things, you know, I'm very passionate about the format of music videos. I, I am really passionate about the history of music videos. Sure. And I think one of the greatest music video makers that ever lived is Michelle Gondry. 
Um, you know, the guy, he eventually directed Ten or Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yep. Uh, he did the best Chemical Brothers music videos, the best Bjork music videos. Uh, amazing filmmaker. But now you got the Daniels doing this. Turn down for what? Yeah. And look, you're going to know the Daniels just from that video. And it is, um, it's an amazing video. But I, I do think the Daniels are our generation's Michelle Gondry. Um, they are, they've picked up the, the lantern, so to speak, of truly innovative music video making. Um, and, and it's not just limited to music videos as well. They, their short films are incredible. Uh, they recently did a short film called Interesting Ball, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> it's actually not my, it's, it's not my favorite of their music, uh, of their short films. Um, they did a film, a short film, which I believe was an intro to something else called Pockets. Um, and Pockets is just phenomenal. Uh, these, That's a good name. Oh, it's it's great, yeah. Uh, and they did another one called Puppets as well. Less good name. <laughs> but when you watch the film, you'll understand why it's called Puppets. And uh, these guys, look, uh, I, as far as filmmakers go, uh, I idolize these guys. Yeah, I, I think they're I think they're terrific. Um, I have been in several meetings uh, for music videos where. The question has arisen: What would the Daniels do? Um, and it's it, it's not something I ever want to do. I don't want to try and imitate what they do, uh, but I am always in awe of what they do. WWTDD. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I used to. My motto is always: What would Michelle Gondry do? Uh, and I have diff there's one music video in my catalog. Um, if you ever want to dig it out, and you'll you'll know it when you see it. Uh, where I definitely was trying to be Michelle Gondry, uh, much less successfully than he was. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I love that these guys and Michelle Gondry are people who are exploring the medium of music video in a way that, that makes it seem necessary. It's that not doesn't have anything to do with Nokia. Product placement. I'm making a product <laughs> placement joke. There's just fucking product placement. That's the only reason nine out of ten music videos get made anymore is uh, fucking well, if, product placement. If you'd said Beats by Dre, I would have I would have bought it a little bit more. I just, Who uses a Nokia phone? I, maybe. maybe I was going back to back when I looked at music videos at MTV like five, ten years ago. But yeah. like that, it was just everyone like had Nokia shit everywhere. Now, now it's definitely Beats by Dre. Yeah. I, I've I've definitely I've. There's a music video I've made where we've added product placement. It's so out of place and it's so unnatural that it doesn't feel right. But I'm sure the, they've done it as well, but they've probably done it artfully. There was some product placement in this movie. Uh, in no, the, there wasn't. No, I was talking no, about he, the Cheetos bag that he wears, but it's not actually Cheetos. It's cheese curls. So uh, when I heard the Daniels were doing their first feature, I was very excited. Also a little nervous because, um, you know, like how many music, you know, like, the classic cliche of big budget filmmakers is, oh, this dude came from music videos. And you can think of someone like uh, Francis Lawrence, I think, who directed um, I Am Legend. Or even Hardcore Henry. Hardcore Henry was a... Well, he'd made... He is a slightly different. Is did that, he do short films beforehand? I'm trying to remember. Well, he did, he did music videos, but they were his music videos for his band. And they were in the exact same style as Hardcore Henry. Right. So like someone like saw that music video and said, I want to make a movie of that. That's, That's not, fair. Like we know the guy to do it. He's yeah, right here. Yeah, exactly. It's not quite the same. Um, so I was kind of nervous about them making that transition. Um, but again, no spoiler for my review. No. And so the, um, so a 24 put this out, right? Yeah. Uh, they put out some, some wonky stuff and I, I dig I, it. I love everything they're putting Like I, it's, it's to me, it's becoming a banner of, I should pay attention. To right. What I'm about it's to very see. strange. And I haven't had sort of a reaction to like the beginning of trailers or even the beginning of a film where I'm like, Oh, I'm I'm probably going to dig this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, things like spring breakers room and most violent yet the witch, which was my so far thus far my favorite film of the year. Mm -hmm. uh, Under the skin, the spectacular. Now these guys, you know, like they're putting out great stuff. Yeah. Um. So Matt, were you like what? What did you know about this movie walking into it? I knew it came from Sundance. Yeah. Uh, I knew people were. Um. What's the word I'm looking for? Not. Um. It was controversially sort of winning things. I don't remember what it won, but a lot of people. Uh. Spoiler alert. There's some fart jokes in this movie, <laughs> and uh. It at people. I think it rubbed them the wrong way that there was a movie that was getting critical acclaim for. Uh. Basically, not for, but that had a bunch of fart jokes in it. Yeah. It won. It won the directing prize at, at, at Sundance, which I think the Daniels had won before for the, for maybe one of their shorts. Okay. Uh, I, actually, I can't verify that. Maybe, maybe check me out on that. But, um, mm -hmm. but 
I mean, for example, I, what I would love to read to you, just even just a, a little... Is it story time? <laughs> I, I just want to read like a line from the Time, Out, time Out's review, because Time Out uh, magazine, which is not like a bastion of great reviewing or anything like that, did give this movie one star. This is their review. Back on planet Earth, we're still talking about a ridiculously infantile film, one that flatters itself by intimating deepness. And it would be a disservice to compare Swiss Army Man to, to, to the work of, say... The Farrelly Brothers, filmmakers whose couple scatological humor with stealth sweetness. Only the film's all-voice score, manically hummed by Manchester Orchestra member Andy Hull and Robert McDowell, captures the inner workings of the cracked mind. The rest of the movie is just breaking wind. Wow. This, this reviewer really didn't like this movie and thought it was infantile. Oh, I, I, I never guessed that that came from print media that's yeah. thriving right now, so I don't know why that would possibly... <laughs> No need to get personal about it. Uh, I think, well, that's not a review, my friend. That's literally, that's latching on to things that they've heard and then they're like, didn't pay attention because of it. And then they wrote garbage. Well, I wouldn't say that. I'm saying this person genuinely didn't like the movie. But but there's a way to write about something or speak about something that you don't like. Uh, I think we do it quite well, depending on <laughs> what side of the coin that we, uh, you know, hit. Yeah. But, um. When 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 you see something like this and they basically say it's nothing more other than the soundtrack of Breaking Wind. Yeah. You're no, not no, no, no. I don't think that's what they're saying. Oh, then I <laughs> misheard you. <laughs> you misheard. You didn't no, I'm not talking about literally, but he's he made a little stupid punny joke at the end. Yeah, he said that the film is the breaking. The film is breaking wind. wind. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm not saying he thinks it's all farts all the time. No. What I'm saying is he doesn't think the film has validity. That's what he's saying. He's yeah. saying the score is good and nothing else is. Yeah. I think. So that's dumb from a dumb person because or 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 someone who didn't pay attention. I it's not that I, I I'm not necessarily sure it's someone who didn't pay attention. You're gonna defend I, no, Time no. Out New York. Here's what I'm gonna say is that I can completely understand if you don't buy into the emotional core of this movie, it is just a bunch of fart jokes and it is it is got a very specific sense of humor. If you don't buy into this movie, then you're the type of person that this sort of movie is kind of rallying against in a weird way the societally blocked fucking just choked up person that can't actually get themselves out of the bubble of loving the smell of society's farts so like wow like that was beautiful you know so you should write reviews for time out well, i mean guys if you're hiring uh and if you get a website i'd be happy to do they, it they have a website but i would just want to point out we're dear uh uh hiring editors of time out magazine this uh, this applicant did call you a dumb dumb just a second ago. Just a reviewer. The time, the you know, whatever. <laughs> so what's uh, what's uh, what is Swiss Army Man about? If you could best sum up, now we're gonna. I'm just uh, Ooh, okay. Fair warning, we're gonna sound like crazy people when we describe this movie. <laughs> Man, I didn't even think of this because I thought you'd read it from IMDb, but I'd rather us do it. I'd rather we do it. All right, let's do it. Okay. Um, a shipwrecked man on an island is about to kill himself until he sees a body wash up on shore that then through sort of a magical realism, let's just call it, yeah. um, help the body sort of become sentient and helps him through a bunch of different tasks getting home while learning what it was, what it's like to be alive again. That is the best, like, favorable explanation now of you what happens. Because but no, no, but if you want to get specific, no, so that's the global thing. Yeah, you know, and it's very, it's a very great retelling of this film. But, but you uh, get but, into the nitty gritty of it, and that's where the <laughs> fucking farts come. Because, because my, if I told my mom that that was what this film was about, she'd be like, oh, I'll, I'll see that. But if what happens in the first five minutes happened when my mom was watching it, she'd be like, what the so do you want to just start going into the procedural of this or do you have anything else to say about sort of the people involved? Well, uh, we can get into the, I, I think, I think they go hand in hand because it is, it's a very specific kind of humor. And if you've seen the turn up for what music video, the little John music video, you know what their specific humor is, which is that it's a lot of dick fart shit jokes. But I think the thing that has always drawn me to the Daniels is that there is they somehow managed to turn all of that into genuine sentiment. And, and there's something, the, if I was to like speculate on an auteuristic uh, point of view of sure. what, the As Daniels, you do. what the Daniels are about. So remember, the Daniels are two, uh, two best friends, Daniel uh, Kwan and Daniel Sheenart. Uh, I, I probably butchered that last name. Yeah, did, uh, whatever. 
But essentially, these these are two guys who I I would venture to say are two best friends who have been making movies for the last ten years. Like a little, they started out making little like comedy sketches, uh, you know, uh, on YouTube. A couple of them went really popular. I remember there was one called Dogboarding, where uh, people would ride their dogs as skateboards. Uh, that went viral for a, for a minute. So you can kind of see where the part we're going to talk about yeah, first comes up. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they had a really dogboarding. <laughs> they had a really specific. Um, visual effects style, which was that it was all done in After Effects, but you could kind of see uh, how they would get things done. But they, but it was kind of one of those things where, even because I'm an After Effects artist myself, uh, you could kind of see how they did something, and, and the way they would do something would be kind of cheap, you know, like they would, you could kind of see how it was put together. But the overriding effect would always work. Like you believed people were riding dogs, you believed right. you know a ship coming out of them, and from a notaristic point of view, I think their entire oeuvre has been about friendship. You're dropping words, man. <laughs> You're just dropping Drop words. Word bombs. If I could drop this mic, I would walk out the room right now. Wow. But I can't. So um, I think, I really do think that they're really, the the thing that interests them is friendship. And it's it's part of how they make films and it's part of what their films are about. And it's, and it's very central sort of in this story of a man and a corpse. Now, the man is played by Paul Dano, yeah. uh, who I really, really like in general. Obviously, he was in Youth, which was one of my top movies from last year. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Harry Potter himself, <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe. With a more magical wand than he ever had. <laughs> oh, that's so funny because it's true because we're talking about his penis. Uh, um, nice. But yeah, he plays the corpse. He plays, uh, so Paul Dano is, uh, uh, what is it? Um, Hank. Yeah. Uh, someone speculated that that was a ode to, um, Hank from, uh, Hank, to Tom Hanks from, from Castaway. Uh, Castaway. Yeah. And it's kind of like, this is Castaway for the millennials I with guess. Daniel Radcliffe playing, uh, Wilson. No, no. You know, instead of Wilson, his name is Manny. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought was a funny name for a, a nameless body. Like, cause Manny's like, oh, he's Manny. Like he's Manish. <laughs> it's kind of like a man. <laughs> um, but let's let's talk about the the specific way in which I I think if you're gonna describe this movie to anyone the things you you're gonna and in one sentence you're gonna call it the farting corpse movie. But you know what though? To be honest, I don't know if I would. If I I'm it's more it's much more than that. I know, but no, no. I, I'm trying to think of if give me one second. If I wanted to describe this in one sentence, not my laundry sort of like higher value thing I said before, I would say this this uh, is a movie about a dude being rescued by a corpse. <laughs> and that's a weird sort of sentence, but, but, but I know what we're getting at. We're getting about, uh, about the, um, the flatulence. So when uh, Daniel Ratcliffe, Manny washes up on shore, yeah. um, uh, Hank has been stranded and he's about to kill himself. He's has uh, like a noose around his neck and standing on a cooler. Yeah. Uh, and then he uh, accidentally falls off the cooler. The rope breaks anyway, cause he's a dummy. And uh, he goes over to Daniel Ratcliffe uh, to see if he's alive. He's not. And he just starts farting. Yeah, you know, like some bodies uh, expel air. When All bodies when do. Yeah. Uh, you, when you die, dear listener, uh, your body will exhume all of the gas and and matter from within because your muscles will no longer contain it. And, and there's bloat and things that happen decompositionally. And spoiler alert for the book that I'm reading to my son right now, everybody poops. And Oh, spoiler <laughs> alert uh, for life. Everybody dies. Uh, so we're all dealing with it. <laughs> Basically, life is is made up of poop and death. Yeah, right. But it's great. There's the two things you can't avoid. It's Love not death it. and taxes. No, it's poop and death. Because you can kind of avoid taxes if you have to. But have you ever tried to not poop? Oh, my God. Uh, so he is disillusioned by the fact he's not alive. And he actually just takes... Uh, uh, Manny's belt, belt and attached it to the noose again and he's about to he's trying to have this sort of like beautiful death moment yeah. like he's humming some song that his mother sang to him which by the way ba, is ba, 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 but ba, that's ba, also a remix ba, of Cotton Eye Joe right the, almost every song <laughs> in this movie is a remix of the song Cotton Eye Joe is it? I, I mean, I, I know Cotton Eye Joe's in the movie, yeah. but I didn't realize that those were like remixes of the song. So I don't know if that one is in particular, but a lot of them are because it just takes different verses and writes new songs around them. Right. Anyway, uh, and as he's trying to have this beautiful death, uh, Daniel Radcliffe's character just keeps farting, <laughs> like like ruining ruining a suicide farting. Like he can't not stop farting. Like it's ridiculous. And then. He kind of gets into the ocean. He figures out that he can use that that gas that is expelling from from young Master Radcliffe's bottom to propel himself across the water and to safety. 
and you have the most glorious title sequence with Paul Dano riding Daniel Radcliffe. Across, Dead Daniel Radcliffe. Across the ocean. Powered by Daniel Radcliffe's farts. <laughs> Powered by Daniel. Now, imagine being in a pitch meeting for this movie and saying, so the movie opens on a on a castaway island. Much well, like it's you. magical realism, and if you're not buying into that, then you, uh, I mean, you're 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 in for a, a weird hour and a half. <laughs> as uh. I as I feel like uh, there was an elderly gentleman next to me in the movie theater, who I I'm not sure he was exactly knew what he was in for when he started the movie. Oh, he didn't. And but then as it went on, I you know he stuck. I, I was I was so proud of him, so proud of him. He stuck with the movie, and he's just start like by the by the midway point. I think he got that what the humor was going to be like, um, and he just was giggling uh, ridiculously. Yeah, by the, because by the the because what, a central theme for this entire film is sort of not only letting people in, but not caring about what other people think of you. And in in a weird way, and like once you sort of let down the oh, fart jokes are stupid. Like once you get over yourself a minute, you're like you're gonna have a good time, and that's true in this movie. That's kind of true in life. So uh, there's that. So one thing here's here's something I will say, and I'll I'll swing back to this by the end because um, it doesn't quite make sense if we're going chronologically. The first island that that uh, Paul Dano rides Daniel Ratcliffe away from when and then they hit the mainland. When it first happened in the movie, I didn't have a problem with it at all. I, I you know, I thought it was an interesting way to sort of set up the magical realism. But then as the movie progressed um, and we got to the ending, I actually had more and more of a pro- of a problem sort of with that first island. Uh, and everything that happened before they got onto the mainland. And I'll get oh, into so that like later. Retrospective. Yeah, I was like, oh, well, and, and it's not because like it didn't pay off or something. Like, I'll get into it later. But it was a fine setup for the magical realism yeah. that we were about it's to watch. It's a great opening moment. Sure. To, like, have a man on an island by himself about to commit suicide. Sure. And body washes up on shore. Right. Um, but yeah, like, I think the logic of the film it's weird because I don't think we like we should even take it as a logical film. It's kind of it's no, no, absurd. no, magical I mean, realism, magical, absurdity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a guy rides rides another man across the water like a jet ski propelled by fire. Sure. So you're gonna that's the kind of movie you're into, and it's kind of it's kind of the thing that like someone like uh, Alejandro uh, Zodorowsky would have done. You know, like with the Holy Mountain. There are moments of surrealism in the Holy Mountain or El Topo where it just doesn't make sense. But if you just kind of go with it, now obviously. Hodorowski doesn't do it for the same comic effect. He's trying to be more philosophical about life. But whereas I think these guys are really are going for the joke, but, but the joke has like a weird heart to it. Like it is like, there's a sincerity to the way to the, to the angst that Paul Dano is feeling throughout this film that the comedy kind of like helps him through Like, and the other way I would describe it is, I genuinely feel like these these directors and these writers like these characters and they want to they want us to enjoy them as people. Yes, and or people and corpse. And yeah. the uh the 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 friendship that eventually sort of blossoms between Hank and Manny is actually very poignant and and good. Yeah, um, it feels like a genuine friendship. Yeah. So they get to the mainland. Yeah. It's still a beach, and there's like cliffs on the side. And uh, and uh, he washes up. Uh, Hank wakes up, and he sees that there's a bag of uh, cheese puffs. Cheetos. And so he eats one, and he makes a necklace out of it uh, for some reason. He's very good at crafting, Hank. Even yeah. at the very beginning of this movie, you see trash made up into boats and things that say, like, uh, I was shipwrecked. I need rescue. I'm so bored. That, uh, that I don't want to die alone. That is kind of one of like the odd traits of a Sundance film. You know, like the, the central character or some character in the film will have like a particular craft. Really good at crafting stuff out of garbage. Yeah. Sundance, and nature. Sundance loves them crafty people. You yeah. know, like uh, even last year's Me, Earl and the Dying Girl had someone who was able to craft everything. Right. Why not? Uh, um, so he is about to leave Manny on the beach, uh, but for some reason he just can't, he can't leave him. Well, he keeps farting and he's like, maybe I could use, you know, like use, he kind of, he creates that friendship bond right away where he's like, you saved me. He starts talking to this body right away. Right. You saved me. So they go hang out in a cave. They like lay there for the, for the, uh, for the night. And eventually, uh, well, Manny's, Manny's body gets filled with water. Right. And then he suddenly becomes like, the the weirdest water bottle you've ever this seen. This water pouring out of Daniel Radcliffe's mouth because he is yeah. super thirsty and he's, he lets Hank drink. It's very strange because this is the second part where he's like realized that the, the title of the film is actually very, very true. Like 
uh, Manny's body can do a million different things. It reminded me a lot, if I'm going to bring it back to video games, as I always do. I don't know if you ever had Nintendo, the original Nintendo. Uh, no, I didn't, actually. Ever, uh, boy and his blob? No. Okay, so you played a little boy with an alien blob behind you, and you had 32 or 23 different kinds of jelly beans, and you fed them different things, and he would become a ladder or a hole or a trampoline. So, like, it was very sort of Swiss Army-ness about it <laughs> for whatever reason. There was actually a remake of it recently. Yeah. But uh, so Manny felt to me like the blob. He was like, you could do anything with him after you discovered the things he could do. Yeah, there was all sorts of, like, there were crazy, uh, all sorts of crazy things that this guy could do with him. Like, he turned him into a gun at one point. Uh, he used his to hunt and kill squirrels and birds. He used him as a grappling hook or to, to fire a grappling hook into the air, yep. shoving uh, it down his throat and he, shooting it. They also propel themselves, uh, into the air out of the water at some point. He has uh, a karate chop. Yeah. He's got a karate chop cause his reflexes are still intact. Yep. Um, he does, he immediately, uh, plugs his butt up to stop him farting. Right. He finds a cork. He finds a cork. Yeah. 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 Um, so it's, it is, and then a what happens is in the Ma cave, Manny starts talking back. Like he seems to learn language. Like his brain is not quite. It's it's almost like a Frankenstein learning language kind of moment. You know, it's like watching a child grow. He didn't know anything. And after Hank, Hank even says he's like, "I'm probably going crazy, and you're probably not talking, but whatever." Yeah, yeah. And uh, so he starts teaching him about like the way the world is and music and movies and dance and he, and, and singing, if it hadn't been for cotton, I drew. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he even says that's the, that it's always the, the worst songs that you get stuck in your head. head. Yeah. Uh, and Manny, uh, he, he's describing things and you brought up the, how they'd have the thing about poop. They were talking about poop and then everything poops and they <laughs> scrawl a copy of everything <laughs> poops in poop in the, on the Bible. Yeah. Exactly. Because they find a bunch of garbage in this woods. And that was my first clue. That's what uh, that Hank sort of crafts everything out of to show Manny how the world works. Yeah. Um, it's just a bunch of garbage and he's yeah. turning garbage into stuff. And one of the things uh, Manny asks is like, why is all this stuff here? It's like, oh, because no one wanted it. This was empty. This was this. This was old. And that's when they hold up the Bible, which I thought was hilarious. And then uh, and then they turn it into stuff that they need to teach Manny about humanity almost in a, in a weird way. Yeah. Um, and he has all these questions. Um, <laughs> like a child would about his, yeah. about his, about his fledgling body, um, including why his penis gets erect and also, uh, what masturbation is. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and there's also something interesting too. Like we're talking, I mean, we always sort of go back to that stuff cause that's the stuff that sticks, but also like he asks about all the garbage and he's like, and he's like, wait, am I garbage? <laughs> like, am I like, cause I got thrown away and no one wants me. And then Hank's like, no, like it's a lot of like misinterpretation from Manny, like a child would misinterpret something. Um, and then that gets to sort of the masturbation talk. Uh, cause, uh, one of the pieces of garbage is an old, like swimsuit edition from sports illustrated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then uh, Manny's super curious about it. Also, uh, the important thing to note here is Manny can't move. Yeah. So so Hank has to move, move him. All oh, by time. the way, spoilers. Uh, we're about a third to the movie. So now <laughs> we're beyond, you know. It's, I yeah. mean, I think the spoilers for this movie are to do with why Hank is in, has cast himself away. And I think that is probably where the film will feel weakest from... Uh, if if you're a regular moviegoer and not buying into the movie, I think you will feel weak uh, in sure. terms of like why Hank is out here. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, for spoilers, that's where we're gonna go right yeah. now. So it turns out, actually, why that is actually a good question. Uh, and now that I've said it out loud, oh, why? No. Why is Hank out here? Well, I, I wasn't going to get into this till sort of later, but I guess we kind of covered all the bases. I mean, I'm trying to think of anything before this moment, because this is the sort of weird sort of well, turning moment. From this point on, what's going to happen, what happens in the film is it's basically a disc a, an ongoing discovery of the things that Manny can do or the way Hank can manipulate Manny to do things. And, also, and Hank's always saying he's doing these things to try to get home. Yeah. And and also the the growing friendship between Hank and this corpse because they're still lost in the woods. They found a bigger island, but we don't know where they are. Yeah, and it's just a lot of woods. They're in the woods or a cave the entire time. They even build like a little house and like a couple sets to like to work through stuff. And they're trying to get. And Hank really wants to get home. 
That's what he says. And also, oh, sorry, the, the this is so back and forth, but the uh, the boner reference we were talking about before, it turns out that when when Manny gets erect for whatever reason in Hank's mind or in real life or whatever, his erection points the direction, his, the erection points the direction oh, that he has to magic go. magic erection. Um, it's an alliteration as well. Yeah. Um, so that's how they kind of know which way to go. And along the way, they have adventures and then um, yada, yada, yada. But one item that they have with them and throughout most of the movie, you believe it that it's Manny's is a cell phone. Yeah, that has a limited, has 10% battery. 10% battery. I don't, I don't know about you. Maybe it's just we're the cell phone generation, but t- like seeing 10% battery life on a on a cell phone makes me anxious. <laughs> even, yeah, even when I'm not in the woods, if yeah. I'm walking in in downtown Manhattan, like, and I know exactly where I'm going, I'm like, oh, fuck, I, we're, oh, shit, plug, I need it now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, you know, the, they How will I check my Twitter? He turns on, you know, like he turns the phone on, it's got 6%. I was like, turn that fucking phone off right now. Yeah. Turn that phone yeah. off. Don't, don't. But the background off. is uh, of a, beautiful woman uh played by mary elizabeth winston played by ramona flowers herself and uh and also from uh uh the film we reviewed earlier this year to yep. tin cloverfield lane yep. another uh interesting film uh, that's available on netflix right now called faults you should check that out yes um so and you think that this is sort of manny's girlfriend and what hank is trying to do is basically jog uh jog Manny's memory about this girl that's supposedly his girlfriend or wife or something, and that will help lead them home. And it leads to the point where where ha- Manny asks Hank to start dressing as uh, as the girl, right in the and, picture, and recreating like a moment that they had they shared on a bus. Yep, um, and playing it out in different ways, and it's. It gets into an interesting territory because you start realizing that obviously that this girl may not actually be Hank's girlfriend. Um, and there's or a, Manny's girlfriend. Manny's girlfriend. No, Hank's girlfriend. Well, no, no. You don't really kind of realize that at this point. At this point in the movie, I still thought it was Manny's phone and girlfriend. And then you slowly start to realize that it's probably not nothing to do with Manny. Yeah. And this seems... No, no, Manny is the corpse, right? I understand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's probably nothing to do with Manny, the corpse, and more to do with um, Hank... Uh, oh, really? I thought that was kind of evident. No, it, not until the first couple flashes uh, oh. of they did this sort of intercutting of like not the fact that Manny is a corpse and has no relationship to Hank. But he could have. But he. But the way they cut it and the way it was sort of done, they made it seem like the cell phone was in Manny's pocket in the beginning. He. It looks like he pulls this phone out of. No, Manny. no, no, no. On the on the original island, um, Hank has the phone. Yeah, but he, he pulls it. He pulls it from Manny. Does he? Uh, I'm fairly I, certain. We can go back. I'm going to watch this movie again. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong, but that's what I gleaned from it, oh. which I think if I'm wrong, yeah. I helped myself do yeah. what the film I think was trying to do is sort of like a misleading sort of right. thing. I, I I presume the phone was Hank's the whole time. No, right? I didn't. I thought it was like trying to get clues because the way they were even treating it, it was like Hank is trying to help Manny get clues about his old life to somehow figure out who he was and get them home. That would make the ending make less sense to me. Okay, well, yeah, I know, well, yeah. but but then eventually he even admits it to to Manny. He says, "I have to admit something. That's not your phone. It's my phone." Right. Yeah. Okay. I I always presumed it was Hank's phone. Okay. Yeah. Um. But the the girls in the background of it, and it looks like a nice picture of um, Mary uh, Elizabeth Winston. Yep. Yeah. And uh, and it looks just like sort of a loving, like, oh, maybe it's a girlfriend or whatever. Blah blah blah. But uh, as it turns out. Well, there becomes like a middle layer here, which is that uh, you first have this relationship formed between Hank and Manny, and then. Hank starts dressing as the girl, and you have like a second relationship formed between Manny and the girl. Uh, right. And now they, and now again, and they like dance and have parties and go to dinner and yeah. like, like, like I said at the beginning of the at the beginning of this review, any point at which we describe what's happening in this film, we're gonna sound like crazy people because half of the people involved are dead. But uh, the we're at the beginning, you know, towards the middle of this film, basically. It's about Manny and this girl having a relationship, and the girl is played by Hank, and they build themselves a little forest tree, uh, a forest house out in the woods, uh, out of garbage. Uh, and they go out to dinner. They find a bottle of vodka. They get drunk together. They almost make out. Yep. Um, there's a there's a there's a little moment where where it becomes almost um, almost erotic, but not quite. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the journey continues. And I don't like. Here's the thing, like. It's it's a fairly threadbare plot, like in terms of storyline of what's happening. It's fairly thin, mm-hmm. but it's constantly engaging. I was never bored. No, this me movie. neither. And I and I always wanted 
to see where it was going, and I always wanted to spend more time with these characters. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You felt the same way, obviously. Yeah. Um, the, near the end, before they get back to civilization, let's just finish this up, and then because I feel like the meat and potatoes is right after this moment, they yeah. run into a bear. Because yeah. every Hollywood movie has to have bears now. Well, look, the Revenant just came out. They were competing. They knew that, you know, we've got Harry Potter. We don't have Leonardo DiCaprio, but we still need a bear. So the bear comes <laughs> and attacks them. Uh, and they get propelled. Like, he bites uh, 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 Hank's leg. But then, like, farts propel them into a tree or something. <laughs> and then he falls again and breaks his other leg. And the bear's dragging Hank away. And then Manny wills himself to move on his own for the first time and falls into, into a, a fire, fire that then launches him in a farting fireball towards the bear. And it scares, it scares, it scares the bear away. It's look, we're describing it badly. It's hilarious. Yes. I mean, and I'm presuming at this point, if you're listening into us, you've seen the movie, but then it blacks out. And then all of a sudden you wake up and this time Manny is carrying Hank yeah. And they're walking through the woods and they get to a backyard and they both fall down. And the backyard happens to be um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's house where she lives with her daughter. So we're obviously clued into the fact that Hank and Manny, uh, Hank and this woman have no relationship. Um, and it's it, that's alluded to as well. One of the I think one of Hank's problems is, is that he is so insular that he's unable to strike a conversation with this woman in real life. Yeah, there's the, the scene they reenact on their bus set that they build in the woods out of garbage with a yeah. corpse uh, is uh, Manny trying to talk to uh, Hank as this girl on the bus. And like Hank is trying to give him advice and he goes, what would you do? Manny says. And Hank's like, oh, I'd probably just wait. <laughs> until the time was right or whatever. And you also learn a little bit about his father, about Hank's father in this, how they're not very close and they don't really get along. Every time one of them says the word like, or uh, I think Mandy says it like that's retarded. And Hank's like, don't, don't, don't say that. Don't like say my that. dad says that like, I hate that. It's not whatever. And like, there's also, there's also a point at which where they realize that um, Hank has been told his whole life that masturbation is bad. And, and that, for some reason, he thinks about his mom every time he masturbates. Well, I thought that story was super interesting. So the dad said that it was wrong and you're expelling your energy and like it's going to kill you sooner. Yeah. To counterbalance that, his mother, Hank's mother, before she passed away, said, you know what? If you masturbate a ton, you'll okay. be able to grow up faster and then you and I can die at the same time. <laughs> and so now he can't masturbate and not think of his mother. And then there's a sweet exchange between between uh, Manny and Hank when Manny trying to, because they were talking about what it is to be weird as well. And like the reason people call each other weird is because it's something that other people don't do. So Manny takes that and trying to make Hank feel like he's not weird. Be like, next time I masturbate, I'll think of your mom too. And then he's like, no. So it's all these sort of like mix up things. But coming from like really sweet, places yeah like i genuinely believed it he's trying to help yeah and i genuinely like i was like really into manny as a character yeah. this this farting corpse farting corpse with a bone of compass i guess yeah um it is yeah so the last thing i'll say before we get into the whole girl stuff is the one other minor plot detail where they were talking about the father he was never close to them he was always harsh with them hank's father um and what they do is they both kept forgetting each other's birthdays yeah. so they just set up automated e-birthday like emails that just hit every time so neither of them forget yeah so that's kind of important for a little bit later because you meet the father well it, i think it points to an interesting thing that this this is clearly hank is detached as fuck yeah he's completely detached and it's clearly like millennial angst if you think about what millennial angst is would would be it's it's like you know this we are we are more interconnected than ever but we are more dissociated from people around us that, than we've ever been you know it's you only need to be on a subway in new york city to realize that literally 90% of the the population on the subway has their heads down in their phone yeah they even in this thing when they're on the bus they're like oh what do you do on a bus like do you talk to people do you yeah. sing and you dance you're like no in fact you put on these headphones and you listen to music so no one else can hear it and he's like and, and manny's like kind of like shocked by it yeah yeah but then I think what this film is, you know, getting at as well is like it's trying to people are trying to Hank is really trying to find human connection. And he find you know, like even the story you describe of his dad, like they basically they they have technologically figured out a way to never forget each other. But they've completely, but through that technology, completely forgotten each other. Right. Right. And and I think the thing that's interesting is that Hank forms this human relationship with a corpse in this movie uh, and 
But you know what's even more interesting, depending on if you, you know, it's magical realism, so you don't quite never know what's real and what's not. Yeah. But like, he kind of forms the most intricate bond with another human being by himself. Yeah, it's exactly, because it, you, I mean, at some point, if you were to try and break the film down. And don't. Just psychologically, don't. don't do it, because it is, it's not the way this film is meant to be read. Um, it, you would say that this this entire corpse thing is a hallucination on Hank's part. But now that brings me to sort of the last 15 minutes because you know how we just said, dear listener, don't break this movie down. Don't try to decompose, you know, whatever. Deconstruct it. Deconstruct it. Uh, the film kind of starts to do it on its own at the end. I think I think the thing is here. Describe what happens and tell me what it, because I, I want to hear your take on this because I don't have a strong opinion, but I have an opinion. Well, Okay, so uh, from a narrative point of view, from just things that are happening on screen, um, Hank and Manny end up in the backyard of Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I've forgotten her She doesn't character. have a character name. I think she does. They, they give her a name. I think it's Jess or something like that. It, it, oh, it was Jess. Sarah. Sarah. Sarah, yeah. Um, they end up in her backyard. She calls for help. The ambulance arrives, and then someone finds... Uh, then, then the media arrives as well, and Hank's dad arrives. Now, I wasn't sure if it was Hank's dad or Manny's dad. It was Hank's dad. But he seems to go look at Manny's body, not because he's not sure. He said there were two people. Thing yeah. he doesn't know who which the corpse is because uh, Manny's already in the body bag, and Hank is walking around the ambulance hiding from his father. And so uh, Hank learns that um, the body is now going to be taken to the morgue, probably unclaimed, and then uh, buried unceremoniously or cremated or something like that. And he can't he can't let his friend who saved him go out that way. So he decides to take the body back into the woods. Uh, back to the ocean. Even before this, some other in in important stuff happens before we get to this point. So, um, the the there's a reporter on yeah. the scene that's trying to get uh man or Hank to talk to the you know cameras and be like, oh, it's so amazing you survived and da da da, implying that it was an actual shipwreck and that he actually got back some way because yeah. real life is now interacting with him. Then the cops who use look at the phone notice that it has a picture of oh, uh, yeah on yeah. it. And then show it to her in the background of this news report. So, like, she's freaked out, rightfully so. She has a husband and a yeah. daughter. Um, and then she's like, how did you get this on your phone? Da, da, da. And then that's when he freaks out and takes uh, Manny back into the woods. Now, something that bugged me a lot or maybe made more questions. Maybe you picked up on something that I didn't. But they, so they have almost like a greatest hits. They're like going through the woods. He's like surfing down at him and the cops. And even Mary Elizabeth Winston is like chasing them as well. Well, because her daughter goes running after them. Right. So she's trying to get rescue her daughter as well. Right. But the daughter is just having sort of a fun time for the most part of it. She finds the Everybody Poops book, I think. Oh, does she? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, and then, but like. Yeah, so they run through the little town or the little house and thing that Manny and uh, that and Hank made. And. It's disturbingly close to Sarah's house. Yeah, they've they've kind of just been back there the like whole time. Down down a couple hills. Yeah. And and this is that part of the film where it's like, I think it's wise not to dissect it from a logic point of view too much. Because and I, that I agree, but I think the problem that I have with it is when they start inter like when more and more people outside of uh Hank's head are introduced to the film. Yeah. You're kind of asking for it. Yeah, and I think there's something about the virtue of it being a film and not like, say, a novel or something like sure. that. Where it's, and you know, and, a, and not an animated film, for example, um, you know, like not like a Ralph Bakshi kind of animation. It's, uh, it is kind of, you have to start introducing, you start, your, your brain as a viewer has to introduce logic into it because you're dealing with flesh and blood people. Sure. You know, so your brain kind of starts like trying to connect the dots that way. And if you do that, you're like, why is Hank behind their house yeah. the entire time? Yeah. So they, they, you're hundred percent right. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense, but in the, in the logic of the film, it kind of works. So they get to the beach and I, I, you're right. Even when I was starting to feel a little bit off by the entire thing, I was still with it. I was still happy. There's one moment sort of coming up at the very end that kind of broke it for me. Right. Not, not to the point of like, we're not going to get into another lobster conversation where like the ending ruined the movie for me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because I think the, the, the problematic endings are sort of of a different scale of each thing. It's not even worth sort of jumping back and forth. Oh, I can see <clears throat> you trying to though. No, no, but <laughs> so they get to the water um, and there, there's an impassioned sort of speech from, from a Hank to everyone about well, it's, that, it's, it's that question of like, is, is this hallucination real? It's almost, you know, like he's trying to prove to everyone that Manny was real. 
Whereas everyone can just see a corpse. Right. So after like talking a little bit, and he sort of has the character realization of like, oh, I shouldn't, I should, he basically comes to the point of like, I shouldn't care about yeah. what, if you think this or not, like we had a time together and it was beautiful and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then Manny starts farting again. <laughs> and farting into and, the sunset. And farting into the sunset, gets in the water and like gets away by farting and, and just drives away the same way that he got Hank off that first island. And, and <laughs> this is where, now, I don't have a problem with the other characters all seeing this and reacting. Yeah. Because, but they all react in their certain characters. Like the cops are like, huh? And yeah. even Mary Elizabeth Winstead goes, what the, the fuck? fuck? And that's what you, sh that's yeah. the moment. But the dad who we've interacted with yeah. for like maybe 10 minutes, but he's been told he's a hard ass and he was pissed at fucking Hank. Yeah. All of a sudden starts smiling. I kind of took that as like the dad's acceptance of his son's reality. You know? I guess, but that was just such a weird, like there was nothing, nothing from the dad's side earned it because he had so little screen time. Like there was no actual interaction with his son that would have brought that on. So like other than, other than I think he saw his son trying to prove something and then his son did prove it by the logic of the film, maybe, not, not, not necessarily. Yeah. Not by real logic, but by film logic. Yeah. Maybe. I, I mean, that makes me feel a little bit better about it. I just remember being in the moment, like re reaction. Oh, reaction. Oh, what the. What like and and I love that the film like ends on a close up of Paul Dano just after Mary Elizabeth Winstead has gone what the fuck and it's a close up that lingers on it for a second and then it goes pop 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 clap the end yeah and this is like it's a real like here we go that was the movie guys thank you very much for your time see you later <laughs> but I think it it just brings up and yeah so you've kind of talked me down off my dad edge so yeah. um, I'm happy for that because I really do like this movie yeah. and I think it has a lot to say I think it'll have a lot to say on sort of multiple viewings as well yeah. I think um, you'll be able to find sort of new stuff at least two or three times and it's you know like uh, the other film that it kind of really reminds me of uh, is a Japanese film uh, that I am passionate about called The Happiness of the Katakuris which is Ooh. by Takeshi, uh, Takeshi Miike and uh, it is a family drama zombie musical, unlike anything you've ever seen before, that opens with this amazing stop motion claymation sequence hmm. that explains how someone gets hit in the head with a stone. And it's like, it's this kind of like twisted narrative logic, which is like, it, you shouldn't, you can't really take it too seriously, but there is a logic, there's an internal logic to it, which actually does work. And there's an emotional depth to it, which really works. Like it's, I think the one lesson I get from this film is that if the emotional center of your story is true and real and heartfelt, you can almost go in any direction. You can do anything. You can yeah. do anything you want. Um, and that's what I loved about it. You and, know, like I, I, I really had a good time. And not it. a lot of people can pull this off. Obviously the Daniels did here. I they, mean, Trey they, Parker and Matt Stone pull it off a lot of times in all of the things they do. It's sort of a similar, like, Oh, we're going to take gross, absurd things and actually use them to make you think about real things. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. And in this case, it's so interesting because the gross, the gross things they're using to make you think of the real things in Swiss army man is about denouncing the fact that you think these things are gross. There's a yeah. moment where they're talking about, we were kind of joking about it in the beginning of this podcast about like how like, you know, everyone dies and then becomes shit and then like, you will shit themselves. But then like, it's kind of beautiful because one day, you know, people that you care about shit's going to mix with your shit. You're going to be together again. And everybody's going to be shit. Won't that be great? But like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, there are some things that like, you know, you know, you just don't think about. And this movie, I think, brings them further to like further to the forefront of your thoughts by introducing it through gross stuff. And it, and you know, what's interesting about this, this is a topic I've just been thinking about a lot is, is one fact is that this film is an R rated movie. And I don't think there's any reason for this to be an R rated movie. If anything, this is a celebration of being an adult through the most childish things. And right. it, it, well, you know why it's an R, right? It's uh, probably because of the swearing nope. and the dick reference. It's and the boner. It's, it's the moving boner. I guarantee you that is the only, because I've seen PG-13 no, movies that have swore just as much as this. I, that I think had as swearing much violence. Is, is one of the key things. Like you can, in a PG-13 movie, you're allowed one or two fucks. And this has did they say a bunch of fucks? They probably did. Yeah, I, th I feel like they did. But you know, I like guarantee, the, dude, Hollywood's here, weird about dicks. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, uh, there was an article recently that I read uh, talking about the fact that X Men Apocalypse movie I didn't see, uh, but you did. Is it true that there is a beheading or some knife stabbing in the neck? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In, in that film, and that is a PG thirteen movie. 
this is an R-rated movie, and I think this is a much better exploration of the body. And now they're obviously not parody kind of films. They're not. They're not uh, in the same irk. One is an action movie that's designed to generate thrills. The other is is a heartfelt romance between a man and a corpse. I will say, uh, <laughs> Manny might be a mutant. Because he can do a lot of <laughs> he can shit. Do a lot of stuff. And apparently he's like undead as well. So, but I, I kind of, you know, like the conversation that happens in this film about, you know, people talking openly about masturbation for ones, right? Is is something that I think I wish there was more of in films. I wish that more films had those kinds of conversations. Because it even goes back to our children and men review that we were talking about when when. Uh, when characters are talking, oh no, I was going to say, yeah. when characters are talking to one another and it feels like a real conversation, yeah. uh, that that rings true and makes the movie feel even more true. So here you have this absurdist thing with a man having a real conversation about taboo shit, but with a corpse and explaining sort of things about it, but like in a very realistic conversation. It's odd. You know, it actually, this is, this is a side. It works great. Uh, but it reminds me, one of my favorite movies when I was a little kid, uh, this is going to give you a lot of insight into Shahir, by the way, um, is a movie called Zits, is Z-I-T-S. And um, it was, uh, I, I can't even find it on iTunes now, but I had a VHS of this movie and I used to uh, uh, watch it on repeat. And it was basically a movie about four or five uh just pubescent teen, uh, teenagers. I think I've heard of this. Yeah, like uh, trying to uh, sell fake plans to the Russians to uh, save money for their high school teacher. And in the and it's like it's you know like it's kind of like a '80s kid comedy kind of thing that reeks of the '80s. Yeah, yeah. But in the middle of it, it's really strange. But basically, the kids start talking about masturbation, mm. and they start like, "So are you masturbating it?" And I was like, "Well." No. And, you know, and like, it's a really long part of this film. And I remember like after watching it, because I might have been like nine years old, I was like, hey, mom, what's masturbation? And, you know, and it was like, it spurred this conversation. That's the thing I remember about this movie. But and I, I, and I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm really glad that this movie exists. Sure. I wish more people were going to see it. Mm -hmm. I wish it wasn't R rated because I don't feel there's any need for it to be R rated. No. Um, and it, there is, I, I think, underlying what you just said is this, is this playful and it is fun, um, breaking of taboos in order to connect on a real human level. Um, and I think you know, it's not breaking taboos to like poke you in the face. It's not breaking taboos to try and provoke you or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, it's breaking taboos because it wants people to connect. And I really, I found that actually really endearing, and I found it really beautiful. Yeah. Um, no, a hundred percent. And I think it only made like a hundred and fifty thousand something. So yeah, far. it's. I mean, it's not going to do well. I mean, it's not. I, I, I truly, truly hope um, for you know a film like this that yeah, okay, it's going to be a tough sell at the movie theaters. I mean, it does have one of the biggest kid actors of of our generation. Kid actors. I, I uh, do. You know what I wish though? I wish that they, even though it's not the same in any way, shape, or form as Deadpool. Yeah, I wish that they advertised it. If you sold this film as like the super wackiness, more I, people you'd get butts and seats. At I least. think I think the audience that saw Deadpool and really dug it would enjoy this movie. Oh, I do too. But they're yeah. not advertising it. No, like no, that. you're right. In fact, d when you saw it, the, tr the trailers that I had before it were oh, really good. It was absolutely fabulous. Bridget yep. Jones's baby. Yeah, and uh, another like British. You know, like it was and then like, lights out. Yeah, that's in front of everything now. Lights out, which is that it's the one? horror movie about when oh, the lights yeah, go yeah, out. Yeah, 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 that one. Um, so it was really, it is being, it's like I think it's on a slate of like foreign films or something like it's, that. It's it like wrong movie, wrong time. Like yeah. it's like it's like indie darlings and this. I mean, yeah. I guess this is an indie darling as well, but it's just so different, and it could be a mainstream. I I do feel like this is one of those movies that could be mainstream and do the added service of sneaking in all of those great things that you said before about actual human connection. And I think, you know, like I'm hoping that even if it doesn't do well at the theater, maybe in some part by uh, people like us talking about it and telling people about it, uh, it might do well on VOD and Blu-ray and, and DVD. I bet like, you it'll do uh, much better. I, I hope, you know, people who are fans of the Daniels, if you're a real fan of that turn up for what music video, because I think that really changed the game in yeah. terms of music videos. You will really enjoy this, and I and I hope people connect with this movie because I think it it has something to say. 
Um, and and I agree, and that's what makes the reviews I've been reading kind of so sad. They yeah, seem very closed off. They seem like the exact thing that this movie is is shaking its finger at and being like, no, people, like we're all fucking human. Like, yeah, yeah. I I feel like a one star review is like really shitting on this movie. Sure, because I'm not gonna look. I'm not gonna fault you for going in watching it, understanding it, and not enjoying it. Like, yeah. this might not be your cup of tea, but there's no fucking way it is a one star movie. Oh, absolutely not. It's a it's a four or a five star for me, um, out of five. And um, you know, one the other thing is that I am really pleased about again as as a person as a filmmaker who really loves the Daniels. Right. I love that this was their first film. I love that this was like the film that they came out the gates with. Yeah. It, 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 it feels true to everything that they've done uh, online, but it feels bigger than everything they've done online. Right. Um, and it, fe- and like, there's, there's, I never want these. Uh, look, these are, these are two very in demand directors. People, you know, I, if I was a, if I had a band, these are the two people I would tr- pick to make our music video. Um, Wait, are we starting a band? Yeah, it's the Manshahir, uh, the Manshahir All Stars. Uh, That's a we, shitty name. We, we got to work on that. We do rap and uh, and heavy metal covers. That's that's kind of our jam. We might as well just call ourselves Limp Biscuit Two. Oh, we're Public Enemy and uh, Public we, Enemy Number One. What was that Public <laughs> Enemy like? Rock this way when they did uh, Public Enemy and Aerosmith. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, for Walk all of our yeah. uh, yep. Talk this way. Well, I guess we know who the singer is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So for for all the these are two in demand directors and I never want to see them do a franchise movie no. or a Marvel movie well, or nope 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 why because uh, they couldn't do it oh they could absolutely there they, you go they would they would do they would give me the Marvel movie of my dreams so then why would you want them to do it because I want them to make their own movies I want them to make movies like this that nobody else could make this is where this is where you see that little meme of the little girl going why not both <laughs> I I mean look if they're if that's what they want to which do, I don't then, think it is uh, then but I don't know means, them I don't know them but but this is this is what I want to see from them. Sure. Um, and and I will say this sort of just sort of, again, going back to the beginning about the reviews that we've been saying, but like a lot of people seem to, you know, talk about and think that this movie is all about farting and it's that not, it's, and yeah. it's sort of one note. But uh, well, it, is this the note? Oh, yeah, I know. In a way, in a way. Yeah, that's it. I love how you're pretending to hit your phone while you do it like your phone's <laughs> making the noise. No, but in a way they're right. But here's why. This film is about sort of the desire and pressure to hide who we are from one another and not actually connecting with another human being, pretending to care when you don't, like the birthday card thing, Yeah, not showing that you care when you do, not talking to a girl on a bus, for instance, and living your life in fear of what others think. And if I were to boil down all those complex human emotions to a single act that encompasses all of those feelings that people could instantly understand in the human condition, it would be a fart. <laughs> because life, Shahir, is just a bunch of farts. It is a bunch of farts. And we, as the farters, need to choose whether or not we smile. We should enjoy our farts. You never fart in front of me, Matt. I don't. I, to be you're, honest, I don't fart a lot. And this movie made me kind of want to fart more. But, yeah. like, I, I couldn't fart right now if I wanted to. Right. I could fart right now if I wanted to. If ever there was a time. You're, you're giving me fart freedom I, right we're now? We're friends. I've got the fart card? Yeah, you got the fart card. Uh, now I've got peer, uh, Now I've got like pressure. I can't. I can't. Oh, uh, you I can't, can't perform? I can't perform on cue. I've got, I've got performance anxiety. Oh, no. Uh, anyway, guys, this has been, maybe you'll get it by the end. This has been the only podcast about Swiss Army, man. I think we've all bonded. We've all bonded. Hey, just quickly before we go out as well, and this is a blink and you'll miss it, but... Uh, uh, the person who plays the morgue uh, op, uh, person technician at the end of the film is Shane Carruth, who directed Prima and Upstream Color. Oh, wow. Uh, and it was just like, a, I, I love seeing that guy and, you know, like going, oh, God, there's that guy who made Primer. And he was in this film for like just a millisecond. Mm-hmm. He might have been involved in the visual effects. I don't know. Uh, but check out those films as well. Well, Shahir, when you're not finding uh, very interesting tidbits of tiny films hidden away <laughs> in dark corners of the of the nonsense, where can people find you? You can find me at www.shahirdowd.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com where you can find all my works and my failed attempts at music videos that lures, that are meant to resemble Michelle Gondry. Yeah, well, where's the fucking robot one? It's coming. It's coming. I just I just watched a fairly close to finished cut 
Uh, we have a release uh, window that we're looking at, but we are we we have to wait on a few things all to right. get it out. That's fair. It will be worth the wait, I assure you. All right, all right, all right. And you can find me at MatthewKroll.com. That's M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com. Also on Instagram at Skeletor4Prez and on Emperor MSK at the Twitter Sphere. Uh, also we can, if you can email us at only at gmail.com, tell us what you think of Swiss army, man. Tell us what you think about farting corpses. And if you could be best friends with one and most importantly, tell us what other films you'd like us to do, whether it's older, newer ones, we are taking requests now. And if your plight is worthy. We shall try to make we've time for few, it. We've got a few of these backlog. Back I know, backlog. Also, um, please, iTunes reviews. If you have made it this far into this thing, it's about an hour, you <laughs> probably enjoy us. So just click a little review there and write up a little blurb, and it, it really helps us get sort of more eyeballs or earballs. I don't ear know. Earballs. Ear I don't know. <laughs> onto uh, this little show of ours. So, yeah, I guess without further ado here, I want to take us out. Well, Matt, I had a question for you. If I was a corpse, would you love me? Could you do all the shit that the <laughs> man could do? I can't do anything in real life right now. So I would just be a corpse that would be like stinking up your apartment. But would you look after me? Would you love me? Would we become best friends? I would give you a natural burial. In, in your apartment? Can I, I, I really need a place to live right now. Will oh, you let me yeah, move yeah, in? No, but the basement, the basement. We <laughs> bury you in the basement with all the... Anyway, uh, we're going to take out uh, with one of my favorite tracks from this movie and another movie when they bond and they start singing Jurassic Park, Shahir. Uh, how does it go? It was the... Na, 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 na. Park. Not world because that sucked. <laughs> <laughs>